Good morning and thank you for allowing us into your living room or wherever you're watching today. We're just so excited what God is going to say to you today through the Word of God. I want to, before I begin to um, speak to you today, I just want to say thank you to all our team, all those who are volunteering, helping us do what we do today and also in the future. Thank you so much for your commitment. We appreciate you. Also, those that are continuing to give financially to our church, thank you so much for helping and supporting and continue to encourage us as we go forward. Okay, if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, reading from verse 44. Many of you will know this story of David who slayed Goliath. So let me read to you. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that there is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. You know, can you imagine this situation? When I actually read those few verses there, you can imagine David actually shouting this to the enemy across the valley as the Israelites and the Philistines was opposite each other. I would just out of breath, just actually hollering this at the enemy, never mind actually just reading the scripture to you today. But you know, when you read this story, it's so true for us today how the enemy actually attacks us. The last sermon I preached to you was about the authority that we have in Christ and that Jesus Christ has won the victory. But as the church, we're still in the battle. Jesus returns and totally defeats the enemy at the end of time. So I want to talk to you today about how to um, handle um, some of the tactics that the enemy gives us. It, you know, if we're not rooted in some things in our life, we'll get swayed and get dismantled in the purpose of God. You know, Satan still comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You can see the state of our world right now and his influence in that. And also to the church, the people of God, he wants to discourage, he wants to throw us off course, he wants to actually tempt us to get us away from the things of God. You know, it's sad news that already in the, in the papers in the last months of significant leaders who have been tempted and have, have fallen away from their main purpose. And you know, we believe that God can restore and heal, but you know, Satan knows that the, the higher that we are up, the greater that we fall and affects the body of Christ. And so we want to continue to pray for our brothers and sisters who are on the front lines uh, serving the Lord. And so the enemy has been defeated, but we are still in a battle. And as I mentioned the last time I preached to you, I said, that, you know, the battle is usually between the ears. It's a battle of the mind. You know, Satan's strategy doesn't change. And I want to bring to you some important teaching today that will help you understand some things that we'll be more prepared to advance when the enemy comes against us. You know, the Bible tells us to resist the devil and he will flee from us. But the, the verse before that, it says that we must submit to God first, then we can resist the devil. 
I know, you know lots of Christians who try and resist the devil, but actually they resist God more and they're not submitted to his word or to his will. You know, we fight a losing battle when we don't actually submit to the will of God and to the word of God in our marriages, in our personal life, and especially in the church. A willingness to listen to his word and come under his authority is the greatest weapon that we have against the enemy. You know, it's sad, isn't it, when we tell our children or those that you know who have children when the parents tell their kids, oh, if you do this, then everything will be okay for you. Let me warn you not to do that. And then the children just don't listen to a word the parents say and go do it and end up in trouble. You know, it breaks God's heart when he gives us instruction, gives us guidance, and we just tend to not listen to his word. And we wonder why that we're always on the back foot. And so it's important to know how the enemy engages with us. As it's the battlefield of the mind, there is two gates of entry where the enemy can, can begin to attack us. First of all, our ears, what we hear, and also in what we see. They're the two gates that we have to guard with all of our heart and all of our minds because that's where he begins to wage war with us as Christians. You know, in this lockdown, especially in, uh, when we're confined, you, you know, the enemy is an opportunity to wage war within, in between your, in your mind. To say things through circumstances on the outside that we see and also things that we hear begin to shape everything about our lives. And so the Bible tells us that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In 2 Corinthians it says the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel, blinded the minds, their thinking. Colossians tells us that once we, who were Christians, were alienated from God and were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. Isn't it interesting that the way we think is eventually how we begin to live? Ephesians says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their thinking. You know, our thinking, you know, when we get saved gloriously, but our thinking needs to be changed because we've had so much stuff that we do need. We, we need. we need our minds renewing. We need our minds washing. We just need the change of thinking, all the stuff that's been handed to us in the, in, into the ways that God now begins to hand to us. Ephesians says that you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds and to put on the new self. And so now as the, as the people of God, we have to begin to think differently the way that God thinks and the way that God says to us. You know, many people talk about spiritual warfare as something that's just in their heavenly places. And that may be true. But when the Apostle Paul talks about the attacks of the Christian, he talks about the spiritual warfare operating in between your ears. In your mind. In fact, 2 Corinthians 10 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power, listen to this, to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive, listen to this, every thought and make it obedient to Christ. See, the warfare is often within our minds. That's why Romans 12 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Our thinking will make us or it will break us. And I wonder today what you are thinking about. I wonder what you've woke up this morning and what's facing you in your thoughts and your life. When you look in, into the st- Satan's strategy, you know, his first method was to pull down mankind was through words. When he came to Eve, it says, he said to her, did God say? At that moment, he says, you know, did God say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden? You know, and you must not touch it or you will die. He says, you will certainly not die. The serpent said to the woman. The serpent said to the woman. In that moment, before mankind fell into sin, everything was perfect. But Satan, right at the beginning, before the fall happened, was a liar. Jesus said that he's the father of lies. And so Satan, right at the beginning, in the, in the evil tactics, began to speak lies into Eve's mind. At that moment, she had a choice. And she said to him, you know, did, God didn't say that, but she was deceived in not responding to the devil like Jesus responded to the devil when he came to him and tried to use the same tactics. Matthew 4 says, the tempter came to him and said, wow, isn't it amazing? And said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Isn't it amazing that it was his ear gate where the enemy began to try and tempt him to move away from the God's purpose, if you are, sowing the same doubt as he did in the beginning. At that moment, Satan was trying to, to pull Jesus away from his identity. If you are the Son of God, call yourself a Christian. Who do you think you are? And so Jesus responds to him, just like Adam and Eve should have responded to Satan in the beginning. It is written. The second place that devil, after that, after he, he couldn't actually win him through his ear gate, he then begins to take him on, on a mountain. It's and the devil, the devil again took him to a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. The eye gate. Isn't it amazing that temptation comes through what we hear and what we see? You know, many of us have been stuck behind a computer for so many weeks and months and there is a temptation in, in, in lots of things that comes into through our eye gate and also through the things that we hear. Temptations that will promise instant gratification but will be a future regret. Look at their house and car. Look at their promotion and their permission, uh, position. Look at their spouse. Why can't you have what they've got? Why are you missing out? You can fill that emptiness and that craving all on your own and you don't need to wait for God. You know, you don't need to wait for his provision, his promotion. You can bring that all around all by yourself. Come on, achieve this on your own without God. And that's what Satan was trying to do with Jesus, to try and make him do a shortcut away from relying on God but Jesus responds how we need to respond in a renewed mind and said no I'm not listening to what you're telling me or circumstances are telling me or my own flesh is telling me I'm going to be rooted in what God tells me 
And the only way you can do that is through the, through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit bringing that truth. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come and he will lead you into all truth. And so the, the Bible tells us that we have weapons to fight in this war, to bring down these strongholds, to, to stand firm against the enemy and to resist him. The, the war that's already won, but the battle that we need to contest in. Finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power and put on the full armor of God. You know, do you remember what those things are? The helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, and the shoes of peace. When I first became a Christian, I was told to put on the armor of God. And I said, well, how do you do that? And this, this, this lady at one time, she, sh she showed me and Linda how to dress every morning in the armor of God. <laughs> We didn't know what it meant, but we put it on every day for some time. Before we'd go out of the house, we'd go, have you put our armor on? And we'd go, no. So we'd stand there and we would pretend to put, right, we've got the helmet of salvation. We've got the, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, and we've got the shoes on. And, and you know, for, for a long time, we, we begin to get dressed in the, in the armor of God, you know, by God and his grace. I'm sure that he, you know, shook his head and protected us. But I realized as I started to grow as a Christian, just putting those armors on in our mind is not enough. Because the thing is this, if you don't know you're saved, you can put what you like on and the enemy will run riot in your life. The helmet of salvation means that you know you're saved by grace. It's not by works and no one can boast. You know that his, his blood is enough for you. That's how you wear the armor. You know, it's interesting to know that the devil is a liar and the first bit of armor that God tells us to put on is the belt of truth. The belt in the Roman outfit, the armor, was the, the belt of truth was first because everything else hung on that belt of truth. And I want to say to you, what does that mean? Not only the truth of the word of God, but we ourselves are also living in truth. You cannot say, I put on the belt of truth if you're about to go out and tell lies the next minute. Because the enemy will just run riot in your life. If you're not walking in integrity, if you're not being honest in your life, then the belt of truth has got, has got no weight for you. And so when you walk in the armor of God, then you walk in what God's given you. The truth is that the truth will set us free, but also I'm trying to walk in, be honest with my life and be truthful. The shield of faith, uh, the, the breastplate of righteousness, not only that, that I've not been saved by my righteousness, but his, but also he's given me a righteousness that I can walk in. But also that I want to live my life now to, to live right before God. Do you know something? If you know there's choices in your life that you're not living right before God, the enemy has got access. The Bible says do not give the devil a foothold. And we give him a foothold when we don't live right before God. Not perfect, but we are given spiritual armor to fight, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit is the only part of the weapon which gives us to attack. The Word of God, and so many Christians don't know the Bible. If the devil were to say something in your mind, have you anything that you can respond to from the word of God and say, no, it is written. Actually, devil, you're a liar. Circumstances, that's not true. Because God has the last word in our lives. I want to encourage you today that, that you know, if you feel like you're not saved today, well, Ephesians says it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. 
Ephesians 1.7 says that you've been forgiven, that you've been redeemed, and you've been raised up in Christ. If you're feeling, I'm not sure I'm saved, I want to tell you, get rooted back in the word of God. But by his blood, he entered in the holy place once and for all and obtained eternal redemption for us. Redemption has, has three parts to what that means. That Jesus came down into the slave market of sin where we was uh, it's slaves to Satan. And Jesus came and, and, and removed us from that slave market, from Satan's grip, and brought us out into his kingdom and into his family. He paid the price for that ransom. When slaves were bought in those times, they had to pay a price so they could buy them back. And that's what Jesus did through his blood. When he said it is finished, he paid the price that we can be taken out of the slave market. And not only that, it means also to be restored to the positions of sons and daughters of God. I want to say to you, whether you feel like it or not, the word of God says that Jesus' sacrifice and death and resurrection is enough to bring salvation to us. You know, some of you have left your helmet of salvation. That his blood was enough to set you free and forgive you from all of your sins. And the accuser of the brethren is a liar today telling that you're not saved. It's what he's done for us on the cross and not really what you can do for him because of his precious blood. And so we have to continue to renew our minds. So let's get back to the story as I come in to land today. Goliath stood in front of these fighting men. Can you believe this? You know, the Philistines on one side, the army of Israel on the other. They're all dressed for battle. Each morning they would come and draw their battle lines out. But it only took one man, Goliath. He was a champion. And he had all the right military equipment. He had experience of winning battles. But it wasn't only that that restricted the people of God from actually winning the battle because God would be with them. Listen to this, verse 8. Goliath stood up and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you not come out and line up for battle? He's intimidating the army of Israel. And it says this, This day I defy the armies of Israel. This champion described standing nine feet, nine inches tall, wearing a coat of, of armor weighing 125 pounds and carrying a spear weighed 15 pounds, having an armor bearer carry his shield. But let me tell you something. It wasn't his battle experience or this great military equipment that stopped the people of God from going forward because his weapon was his words. Can you believe that? His weapon was his words. Verse 11 says, On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the, Israel, or all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. I can't, can you grasp that? For 40 days, every morning, this giant, this Goliath came out and all he needed to do was to just speak negativity into the hearts and minds of the Israelites. When they heard the Philistines' words, I ask you, what words have you woke up to this morning? What words are bombarding your mind and your situation? What words are containing you into all that God has called you into? Maybe you come into the battle lines every morning and then you quit because of the words that's in front of you that are speaking to you every moment of your life that you're not going to make it. You're never going to get out of this situation. 
Maybe thoughts of loneliness or despair or disappointment, guilt, condemnation, shame are constantly rushing into our minds, flooding your hearts and affecting the way that you face today's challenges. What giant is speaking to you in your life on Sunday morning that's containing you to do the will of God for your life? You will never be free from that addiction. You will never find another job. You will never be healed of that illness. You will never get out of debt. You will never make this work. It's all over in the no future for you. Your marriage is over. God could never use you with a past failure. You must have made a big mistake. For 40 days, this giant was coming speaking words, never even used any weapons on his mouth. And he disarmed the people of God. I want to say to you, that army probably would have still been around for months and months if, if, if somebody wouldn't have changed that situation with their mouth and renewed their mind. I've got good news for you. While these people were thinking they were never going to get out of this situation, God had a plan. God had somebody with a different spirit, a different heart, a renewed mind and wasn't going to allow this big mouth to get in the way of the future of himself or Israel. And here we have this young shepherd boy rocks up with a few cheese sandwiches and listens to the words of the enemy. And he said to himself, is anybody going to say something to him? Is anybody going to challenge these lies and this intimidation? Are you going to take it lying down? But it is what was amazing about this. Because when I think about this story, that the whole army of Israel and the king was not in favor of helping this young man defeat this giant. He was on his own, him and God. I, just think, I was just so thankful that Saul put out a reward for David to tempt him a little bit to go for it. I'll give you my daughter, I'll give you a big wad of money, and I'll make sure your household doesn't pay taxes. That was enough for David, but that was one more thing what got on, on David's nerves. It was that this, this Philistine defiled God Almighty. And so much so than his heart, he was saying, I'm not going to allow this to go any longer. Someone has got to say something and challenge this voice so we can move into all that God has for us. I want to say to you, maybe it's 40 days, 40 months in your life, and you think, I'm ever going to get out of it. I want to tell you that God has a word for you. God has a word of encouragement and hope that, you know, whatever you've been listening to, if it's not the word of God, if it's not God's will of your life, then hopefully today we can take down that stronghold with words of life. But as I come to a close in a moment, it's interesting to know that, that the enemy didn't finish in this story, that Goliath on his own was not enough. You know, David, David had Goliath. He knew that he had him because of, 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 of the God that was with him. But it's interesting to know that who, who God, who the enemy will use when you're wanting to step into the will of God for your life. Here was David waiting to challenge this giant and his lies with the word of God that was in his mouth. And it's amazing who turns and comes alongside David to try and discourage him. Verse 28 says, Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with them. And he burned with anger and said to him, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know you're conceited and you are a, a, a wicked in heart and you only came down to watch the battle. Wow. When his older brother, the firstborn, 
should have been encouraging him. It's amazing what he did to try and talk him out of the will of God in our lives. You know something, I want to tell you something. These two pastors were speaking about their church and they said, you know, volunteering is different, difficult, isn't it? He said, you know, how many people are actually active in your church? And uh, this one pastor said, well, he said, I've got 500 in our church. And he said, you know what? All of them are active. He said, all of them? He said, how did you get them all involved? He said, no, let me just let me explain. He said, I've got 150 active for God and 350 active for the devil. You know, my friends, there are some people who are your brothers and sisters in Christ and they think they're being active for God. But actually, when they look at what they're saying, they're actually active for the devil. I want to say to you today out there, if you are negative and you are always criticizing the church, if you're always pulling people down who want to have a go on the battlefield for God, can I ask you to change the way you speak to them? Can I, can I ask you to be a Barnabas and not an Iliab? Can you start to be encouraging rather than discouraging? And there's a word for some of you out there, some of you need a day, because what David did was when his brother, his older brother, tried to stop him from winning for God, he turned away and began to look to somebody else. And a word for some of you today as I come to a close is, some of you need to, to unhook yourself from Twitter or Facebook. Some of those, those, those friends that you are connected to, but are always speaking negative in your life or about other people's lives. Can I encourage you, do not get disarmed through negativity from Christians. And usually because, you know what, it says that they were, he was angry. You know, some Christians are just so angry, they just want to pull everybody else down. But I want to encourage you, maybe Eliab was jealous because this young man was chosen by God to be king and he wasn't. And so I want to encourage you, do not get deceived, do not get put off by those people that are negative. Just like the ten spies that ruined a generation, only two entered the promised land because they brought back a negative report. Let us make sure we're listening to voices of encouragement, not only into the word of God into our lives. Ephesians 4 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And then it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do you know when you're really negative and you're having a go at people trying to do something with God? Do you know it grieves the Holy Spirit? And so I can encourage you to be an encourager. Can I, can I say that God may want to use you just like David to rock up in somebody's life and bring some faith into that situation? One thing that they forgot as I come to a close, that they forgot that the God that they was, was with was almighty. They forgot who was fighting with them and for them. And Saul tried to put armor on David. And he says, it's okay. Don't let your heart for you. Don't worry about it. He said, I, I know what God can do. I've seen what God did through the lion and the bear. And I want to tell you, he's going to take the head off this giant. Because you know what David did? David learned to experience the power, deliverance power of God in private, ready for him to go in public. And so I want to encourage you, maybe some of you are going through some battles right now because God is preparing you for bigger battles in the future. And so it's amazing what, what happened. So David runs at this, this giant and he uses the words. He said, I come against you in the name of the Lord. I am going to take your head off. And so the very weapons, let me tell you something. It says that he never took, he, he never killed Goliath with a sword. You know why? Because the sword 
was in his mouth. The word of God. The word of God went before the sling. And it slayed the giant. And I want to say to you today that you need to make sure that you're rooted in the word of God. That you're making sure your mind is being renewed. And you're not allowing the enemy to contain you. And David ran at this giant with the word of God in his mouth and faith in his hands. And he slew that giant. And I love this bit because then he goes to this, this giant. It's like he prophesied over this giant. And he took the enemy's sword and he took his head off. But then this is what David did. David took the head off and put it in his tent. Have you ever thought about that? Why did he do that? I'll tell you why he did that. This is what I think. Because as he was going to go to bed at night, the enemy would whisper, if you think you're going to get away with what happened today, then you, you, you've got to be joking. He'd wake up thinking, was that a nightmare? Was that, was that happen? Did that happen? I wonder if there's going to be bigger giants the next day. And as he got out of bed, he looked and he saw Goliath's head on the mantelpiece. It might have been gruesome. But he, saw, he didn't see the head of Goliath. He saw victory. He saw the testimony of God, what he did in his life yesterday. And I want to encourage you today that whatever you see in your home right now, it may be doom and gloom, but I want to tell you that God is with you and God is always faithful and he will get you through. I remember at Bible college, when we went to Bible college for the first year, we were believing God to, pay, to help with the finances. And one, some person gave us this little um, plaque and we put it on our door in, in the Bible college because every month that God would provide for us and every year. And this is what the plaque says. It says, we do not believe in miracles, but we rely on them. And I've got this plastered on my wardrobe. And, and as we come through difficult times over the last 16 years, I'd walk past that and I'd see, I'd see the head. I'd see, I don't believe in miracles, I rely on them. And I'd remember what God did over the last 30 years of provision and deliverance. And it would bring faith into my heart. And into my mind. I want to say to you today. You may say well I've got nothing to look back on. Well you can look back at the cross. As I come to a close. You can look back what Jesus has done for you. Because they overcame him. By the blood of the lamb. And the word of their testimony. I want to encourage you today in your home. To begin to declare the goodness of God. To begin to declare the word of God. And begin to remind the enemy. Of how Christ delivered you. From, from sin and set you free and put your feet upon a rock. As we come to a close, I'm going to pray for you. And as we, we're going to seal this message today with a song that he is a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. I don't care what you're facing today, what giant is speaking to you. God's word is living and active and can change right now the atmosphere of your home and your mind. Father, I pray right now for those that are watching that, Father God, the word of God is sharp and active. And Lord, I just pray right now to break down any lies of the enemy over your people's minds. I pray that hope and faith, Lord, will come into their hearts right now, knowing that if you're for them, then who can be against them? So, Father, I pray you release your Holy Spirit right now in that place. Let faith arise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.